Listener Production. The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deek speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Charlie Clawson and my guest this week is motherfucking podcast Mike, aka Radio Mike, aka 20th Century Boy, aka the host of Harry Potter and the Boys, aka the producer of Hayden and Andy, aka recently departed uh, second Mike, producer Mike, out the door of Tofop Productions. It's the full the full catalogue there. Thanks for including all of my um all of my work with I was gonna say accolades, but no accolades. I've actually I've never won an award for anything I've done. So what's yeah. your YouTube channel called? Is it like just Radio Mike or It's just Radio Mike, yeah. 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 And That's confusing. Moment, I think you need it? to I think you need to name your YouTube channel because I, I remember last time you're on or one of the previous times you're on, I said 20th Century Digital Boy podcast. Yeah. I felt terrible about that. <laughs> There's also um, 21st Century Schizoid Man by um, (laughs) King Crimson. And then Green Day had an album called 21st Century Breakdown. And sometimes I think my podcast is called that. I'm like, no, that's... That's an album by Green Day. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to make sure I got all your many, many um, productions correct. But then I was looking for you on YouTube and it's like, what is what is it called? I thought, is it is it 20th Century Boy? Is it? And then and then it was like, oh, no, it's Radio Mike. I'm like, for some reason it's confusing because it's Radio Mike. I think you need a different like moniker, like a pseudonym for your YouTube, YouTube channel. Mike. Can, can we put this no. to bed? <laughs> Can can we put this to bed on Fofop though officially? Because I've told this story in many forums before, but just so you guys know, it like podcast Mike, which is now like almost what I'm more known as, right? <laughs> oh, no. But it was never like I didn't ever want that. I'm not objected to it, but I always I actually always wanted to be I always thought if I ever got into radio, I wanted to be Sideshow Mike, like right. yeah. as a reference to Sideshow Bob. But when I, I was doing this radio show and when I told them about that, they laughed in my face. So I just decided on doing Radio Mike. And then Will Anderson came up with Podcast Mike when I was working on Willosophy. And it's just spiraled out of control. It's taken on a life of its own. And I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, do I just change it officially? But Because I reckon more people know me as Podcast Mike, but I just, I always wanted to be Radio Mike. So I'm sticking to my guns. I don't care what platform I'm on. Are you unaware of how nicknames work? You don't get to choose the nickname. I mean, well, that was the thing, yeah. It's different though because it's kind of like a stage name. It's not so much a nickname. But Will just basically did a, a an edit. He did a pass on your stage name. He's like, it's kind of like, I think I want to call myself Bat Person. And then Will's come out and going, I think maybe <laughs> not quite. Bat, Batman would work yeah. a bit better. It's a bit more appropriate, a bit more accurate. Yeah, people do – do generally get um, given nicknames. Like I'm pretty sure Friendly Geordie's was, you know, his friends just thought he was really friendly, so they started calling him that. Um, But, yeah, uh, Radio Mike is a stage name, not a nickname, so I have delegated it myself. What would your mates call you, Libba? When I was at high school, I was was Libba because my surname's Liberali. But 
And and it's funny, I was at this bar the other week and I saw this guy from my high school and he called me Libba, which I've not had for like 10 years. So it was very jarring. But it was kind of like when I got to uni, I my whole identity had been Libba. And I started having to introduce myself to new people. And it was just really wanky to be like, G'day guys, I'm Libba. So, so I started <laughs> yeah, yeah. just being like, I'm Michael. And then gradually it melded into Mike. You're right. There's certain people who like the the nickname fits so perfectly. If some guy walks up to you, like if a big bloke walks up to you and says, I'm Baz, you're like, oh yeah. I mean, you're a Baz. I can see that straight <laughs> yeah. away. Libra, I guess, is not quite, it could be, it could be anything. Like there's not a, I wouldn't obviously, I mean, well, maybe if you come up to me and said, I'm Libra, you know, I could maybe take it, but I, I understand where you're coming from. It's like Michael Chamberlain, the comedian, uh, we went to high school together. And the thing that always blows my mind is that, like, for the I've known Michael since I was ten, and for the first fifteen years of knowing him, his name was Chinna. That was his nickname all through school was Chinna. And then when he sort of got into the comedy scene, I noticed the other comedians started calling him Chambo, and I'm like, he's doing a rebrand. He's doing yeah. a rebrand on us. <laughs> and I persisted with the Chinna, and I think he kind of quite. You know, it wasn't he wasn't pissed off, but he sort of firmly said, "No, I'm not Chinna anymore. I'm Chambo." And I was like, oh, that's so weird though, because if you ask anyone from high school, he's Chinna. And I always thought it was a great nickname. I was always jealous that he had this really strong, like no one called him Michael, no one called him Chamber. He's just Chinna. I, the origins where of the did Chinna come from? Yeah, because Chamber makes way more sense. I think there's two rumors yeah. about it. Well, I think, I can't remember which one Michael put forward and which one someone else told me. The two competing stories I heard, and Chamber, if you listen to this episode, which I doubt you will, but if you do, you can always clarify. You can tweet us at, at Topop on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, Chamber loved you on, um, was it Skit House or whichever show Skit he was House. on? I, yes. I do remember that show and I loved you on it. Just a little side note from me. <laughs> That's not, not being ironic. Podcast Mike <laughs> yeah, I is loved one of the biggest show. Skit House fans. <laughs> no, I, I used to love that and Big Bite. Um, oh, loved wow. it yeah. so much. So that was my, that was my Era and the wedge. Sorry oh, to interrupt. Wedge. Let's tell the Chino, Chino story. So, so were you, were you getting starstruck when we had Adam Zwa? Uh, the wedge is Adam Zwa. Oh, was Tico's he on the wedge? Uh, yeah. I only really remember Rebel Wilson, to be honest. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, Adam Zwa, <laughs> Sorry, remember, Adam. There was a character called, like, not called, there's a character whose gimmick was he was the cool teacher, the cool hippie teacher, the guy uh, who'd sit yeah. back with. That was Adam. Okay, amazing. I actually do. Sorry to sorry to continue. Well, that is the least convincing, <laughs> amazing, amazing I've ever heard. That was so dismissive. Yeah, amazing. The, the other thing is like the Australian fast bowler because I still remember that sketch from. I think that was on Skit House as well, or one of those shows. I didn't even know it was Tom Gleason. I remember the sketch, but I only recently remember found out that it was Tom Gleason. I was like, "Wow, that guy has <laughs> been around for ages, and I have loved him for ages." Because I'm not even into cricket, but when I was a kid, that was the funniest thing in the world. Uh, sk- your skit house is my comedy company. I mean, you're probably too young for the comedy company, but that was, it was sort of the same influence on me. Yeah, okay. At, and it yeah. would have been a similar age. Um, but Chambo, okay. So the two competing theories behind China. One is that in class he mel- he misspelt China with two N's, China, and so then like got teased mercilessly and became China, which I think is entirely possible. And then the other one I heard was that, and this may be this, the story that Michael told me, which I can't get my head around, but you know there used to be at school people would write their names. So if you had a dictionary, you'd write your, you'd like write liberale on the long edge of the, of the pages so people mm. knew it was your book. Mm. And that he's, but he started on the short end 
and it was C-H and then like the A got cut off and so it looked like Chi, which became China, which became China, which became, yeah, that, that became his nickname. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know which of those two, two stories is true. But my sister, my older sister who, you know, has known Michael the same amount of time as me, she still refers to him as China. She's always like, how's China going? I'm like, you can't yeah. call him that anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> he's not Andrew G, he's Osha. Do you, there's this, um, this is a curveball, but there's this band called Sum 41. Do you know Sum 41? The punk because band from I'm Canada? in too deep. Yeah. And trying to We'll insert a graph there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I always thought this was funny because the bassist in that band is called, his name's Jason McCaslin, but he's, his stage name is Cone McCaslin. And they did an interview once that I, because I was obsessed with him as a kid. And they're like, why do you call him Cone? And they're like, oh, because at school he used to always eat ice cream cones by by themselves. Now, as an adult, I'm pretty sure it was for some, like, kids' magazines. Like, I'm pretty sure his name is Cone because he used to smoke Punch a lot cones. of cones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but they just said, yeah, he used to eat a lot of ice cream cones. And I, I don't know, I love that. <laughs> so it's funny you should – all right, so pop punk, right? Now – I remember you maybe the first time you're on this show talking about how obsessed with Blink-182 you were. And I was like, oh, that's, wasn't, that's an interesting factoid about Podcast Mike that I didn't know. He's way into Blink-182. And then when they announced this reunion tour and the internet blew up, I, I have missed at what point Blink-182 became like your generation's fucking Nirvana or something. <laughs> like. Well, they were only like three years after Nirvana, but yeah, they are yeah. pretty big. But I I missed that. So when did this? <laughs> is it like? Is it in retrospect? Have they been discovered after the fact? Because they've had I, different lineups and stuff, right? So is it yeah, like? I think what to be fair. I know I, they were a big band. Yeah, but I were, wouldn't have thought they were bigger than like Green Day or like any no, of their contemporaries. Yeah, Green Day was certainly the biggest kind of uh, Californian pop punk band, and they ended up becoming big again in the 2000s with American Idiot and, and 21st Century Breakdown, which I mentioned at the start of the pod. Yeah, your but, podcast, 20th, 21st Century yeah. Breakdown. <laughs> but um, the thing about Blink-182 is I think it was in 2003 they put out this album which was like a self-titled, it was just Blink-182, and it was like a noticeably darker and more complex musically album, right? And it, it, for example, like one of the songs on that is I Miss You, which is the one yep. that's like, don't hey waste there. your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Close. Hello, Hello there. there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Hello there. I guess I and, know your name. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's my memory of the song. It's not even it's that. It's always time to go outside and play today. It's I miss not you. even that far off. It is very much like that. But that album was like considerably like darker and like edging onto like emo music thematically. And I think that really resonated with a lot of people. And then after they did that album, the band broke up. Like they had a huge falling out and the main guy, Tom DeLong who is the um the raspy guy that don't wait that guy yeah. he was like hang on he, so Mark, Mark Hoppus Tom DeLong and, and Travis Nick, Barker Travis Barker yeah okay. were you about to say Nick Barker yeah and the reptiles because <laughs> <laughs> that's how old I am no Travis Barker um and so they broke up and then Travis was in a plane crash in about two thousand and nine. And they came back together. They did an album called Neighbourhoods and they toured the world. Then they broke up again um, because 
you know, Tom couldn't commit to the bandit, et cetera, and they were all pissed off at each other again. Nothing was resolved. And I think through that story, people really, like, related to just, like, the struggles of growing up and being in a band. Yeah. Um, and I think people really resonate with not only the music but the people and the relationships that they had. So over those 20 years now since 2003, since that, that first breakup, I think people just – yeah, retrospectively kept listening to the music. They were also one of the only bands that had dual lead singers. So, like, both Mark and Tom share vocals in a lot of the song, which gave them um, a much different dynamic uh, to a lot of other pop-punk bands. And, I, uh, yeah, I think just through that and and just the nostalgia. They, uh, from, like, my memory of them, you know, from the early 2000s and late 90s, really, is, like, they were always – like if you went into the music, at least they were a fun band. Like the music videos were always fun. They were interesting in interviews. They were kind of like Green Day sort of took themselves a bit seriously or a bit more emo, whereas Blink-182 seemed more fun. Like, you know, that uh, video where they just take the piss out of the Backstreet Boys and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, that's all the small things where they and do I remember all the boy band, like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. When they yeah. first toured Australia or one of, their, one of their first tours in Australia, I imagine, like 96 or something, I had this friend – it was a real babe. We were like 19. And um, she used to work at the Hard Rock Cafe in on Collins Street in Melbourne when, back when it was then. And uh, she came uh, to visit me at work one day. I was working in the video store and she's like, I was working last night and this um, this band came in, Blink-182. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've heard, I think I've heard of them, Triple J. And she's like, yeah. And she's gone, the, the lead singer Mark was like way into me. And so we like Went back to his hotel. We might made out for hours and stuff. And he wanted me to become his girlfriend. And he wanted to that fly me so to California cool. and stuff. That is awesome. Yeah, she's every she Blink the- fan is jealous of her, including me. Yeah, <laughs> she said that, but they were, he was actually really cool. Like he was just like just totally fun and up for it, and it was exactly what you'd expect from their public persona. Like a hanging out with for them for a night. Like he didn't get weird or or gross or anything like that. It was just like fun. Yeah, and I think, like, one of the reasons why that breakup initially happened is because, honestly, like, they were – it's such a classic story. Like, they they became a band in high school. They became very, very popular and successful. And then a lot of their songs were just, like, snot-nosed pop-punk songs, like First Date, all the small things. Like, people would take the piss out of them. And I'm sure, like, you know, someone of your age at the time they were big probably thought they were pretty lame at, at points, yeah. right? And I think well, – just like, very commercial. Yeah, and and they were immature and, and that's fine. But then I think Tom DeLonge in particular, he started taking himself very seriously as a musician. And and I do understand his perspective of being like being maybe you're reaching 30 and you're kind of embarrassed and ashamed of some of the stuff you did in your teens and early 20s. And I think he was kind of like, I don't want to sing First Date anymore. I don't want to sing the rock show anymore. I want to sing really mature music. And then he started a band called Angels and Airwaves and they just made like really somewhat obnoxious kind of like stadium-esque U2 sounding music, but it wasn't as good. Like it's they're a decent band, but that's kind of the direction he took. And then he got obsessed with Aliens and, and got a bit off the rails. But yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's why... It's, it's funny too that like people get surprised at that or like I often think when um, Get Back the Beatles documentary came out and you sort of go back and you watch that and you see sort of like, you know, these guys are the, – the, the insane thing is when that documentary 
uh, was was created, they were at the end of their careers in their late twenties, and they released pretty much every album they were going to release as the Beatles. But then, if you look at like their, I just as you're talking then about Blink One Eighty Two and the way that you know uh, Tom grew sort of embarrassed from 1963 when they released Please Please Me, it's only three years later that the Beatles are making Revolver, which is like a completely fucking, you know, like could not be further from the pop mew that they started. that's got Tomorrow Never Knows. That's like the lead single. Yeah, that's right. And and that's only like three years after they broke on the scene. So, yeah, from I I want to hold your hand to, If if the Beatles wanted to change from that, like it makes sense that, you know, in the same way that the Beatles could have been, I'm not saying Blink-182 are the Beatles for anyone out there who's about to fucking flip the fuck out. I actually am. But the, <laughs> but the progression is exactly the same. Like that's why it's always insane, I think, to immediately dismiss pop stars because I remember when Germany used to make uh, music videos for Sony, um, the Sony rep that we had worked with, uh, H&R Chick, was always saying to us, whenever we do the first video for an artist, let's just go as broad as possible because she's gone, that's how the artist, you know, grows. They've got to have an audience if, to fund their development. She's like, Lady Gaga – Look at you know um, that you know let's dance her first single it is so conventional by Lady Gaga standards like and the music video you know they market her just like a cookie cutter pop star but it's a hit and then she's able to go like to poker face and then bad romance and then she gets Born increasingly yeah. weirder and weirder and you know that that is someone starts off as the kid from One Direction and then becomes Harry Styles like they've all the Beatles were a pop band they're a boy band who became an incredibly experimental band. Mate, I always think that. Like, I genuinely think One Direction were, okay, maybe not in musical prowess, but I genuinely think they are the exact same level as popular. They were the exact same level as popular that the Beatles were. And Harry Styles going on to being what he is now, I think is the equivalent of of what Lennon and McCartney were doing. Like, because you, you go back and listen to some of John Lennon's solo albums and they're incredible, and they're and and I think Harry Styles' solo stuff is really interesting as Does well. Does he write it himself? I I I doubt it. I I right. I mean, I reckon he'd have a part in it, um, yeah. but I reckon he's got a, a team of people writing it writing it as well. Yeah, have you seen that documentary? It's like a documentary series on pop music on Netflix. Nah. There's uh, I can't I can't think it's just called Pop, but there's one episode which is about this one studio in Sweden, which generates like 90% of pop music, you know, and it's this one studio. They have different, you know, songwriters and and stuff come through, but they're all centered around this one place. And it's this examination of what is it about the Scandinavian country and this sound where, you know, ABBA was born that makes it so perfect for pop music. And they were sort of saying that there's all these different kinds of influences over there, like heavy metal, for instance, Mm. is much more popular and it's much more melodic and stuff. So musicians and pop stars over there are much more music literate, I guess, or diverse in understanding. So then they can write pop songs that appeal all around the world because they just have this like um, influx of influences. But, yeah, they they did the list of who it is and it's every single pop star of the last like 25 years, like 90% of them. Like Max, what's his name, Max? Max Markson? He's this Australian no. publicist, no. Uh, What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> he looks the furthest thing from a pop star What's music writer. What? What's his name? Max songwriter. I'm typing Max. In Max. Max Martin. Is Max it Max Martin? Martin? Yeah, Swedish, I think, yeah, Swedish record, record producer. producer. <laughs> we got him. He wrote Hit Me Baby One More Time, I Want It That Way, 
um, it's going to be me. Uh, I kissed a girl. Shake it off. Yeah, there's a, it's a, it's a big list. Yeah, it's a big list. It's so funny that you are, even though you are not here in the capacity of a podcast, Mike, uh, my producer, you have just your fingers hit the keyboards and found the information I was struggling <laughs> to find. <laughs> I'm a notoriously fast typer. 120 WPM on a bad day. Touch oh, wow. typing. Yeah, I, I don't think I. I still don't think I'm a, I'm a great touch typer. Did you like do a course or something, or you just picked it up from? No, I just up grew up in front of a computer. That's like. the saddest thing I've ever. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dystopian. It's so awful. Hey, can I can I just circle back to what I was saying with Blink, if that's okay? Um, yeah, mate. Finish I, the point. I finish. thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's fine. No, because because the original thing you said is like, why is why did the internet explode? Because I think. The big thing about Tom rejoining the band now and they're doing a world tour and a new album is I think that it is representative, right, of Tom being like, okay, I'm nearly 50. Everything I have in my life is because of that band. Yeah. And now it. now that I've done what I wanted to, yeah, exactly, embrace it and I'm ready. I Now I'm ready. I want to play those songs and I understand the fans because Mark Hopper's, he was always so committed to that band. He was never like embarrassed about the songs. He loved it and he always got what it meant to to the fans and to millennials and everything. He always understood it. And that's why when Tom left the band the second time, he, he instead of breaking the band up, he got Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio to join the band to replace Tom and they did two albums with him. Now, a lot of people say, oh, it's not really Blink, blah, 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 but to his credit, he kept the band alive to get back to this point. And, mm. you know, I bought VIP tickets to the show in Melbourne in 2024. I'm still not even sure if it'll go ahead at this rate, oh, but really? I really hope it does. Well, but if he, you say that he kept the band alive, but if he left and they didn't record for two years or whatever, however long he was gone, the band doesn't die. It just goes into hiatus. Yeah, but I think and because- And bands reform all the fucking time now. Yeah, I know. But I think because of that original breakup and they already did the We're Back Together Now in 2011, right? They did an album and then it was like, no, nah, we're not, right? I think I think the fans were hungry for more. They wanted more. And Mark was like, I want to make more. I don't want to go silent for another five years. I want to give the fans what they want. And, and that's why they recorded two albums without Tom. How many band members can you get rid of before it's no longer the band? What's that that thing of like if there's a boat and you take one part off the boat and then replace it and then take another part off and replace it, when does it stop being the original boat? Yeah. Do you know that that yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, yeah. I, yeah. I I guess it, is it percentages though? Is it like more than half? So Blink-182, as long as there's a 2-1 majority of original members, then yeah. it's Blink-182. But as yeah. soon as it's like just Mark and backup, or does Travis and – Well, Travis wasn't the original drummer either. It was a guy called Scott Raynor. So Travis came in in 1999. So I guess if – I reckon if Tom and Mark are in it – it's the it's the real band. But you see all the time bands getting back together and it's like, I think Kiss came to Melbourne recently and I was like, are all the original? It's like just Gene Simmons and I Ugh. think 
Ace Freely or something. Yeah, it's one Kiss, of them. Kiss is an interesting one because they swap out their their Ace uh, Freely and um, what's his face, um, the other Peter one, Chris? Is Peter, it Peter Chris. Peter Chris. They yeah. swap them out all the time and bring him back in. Right. But they also have dudes off stage playing like the guitar, like playing the music. They kind of yeah. well, they they play over the top of a live. Do they really? Band. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're basically lip syncing in a way. To in a way, in a way, I think it's just they would argue that no, no, we're just giving people the full experience, and so it's mm. like, so they can do all their performance stuff, you know. But yeah, they yeah. have a band playing. But I remember I saw them for the first. My my older brother was way into Kiss back in the day, and I, I hadn't seen them until I was like an adult, and it was a really fun show. But then my mate said come look at this and he put in this like dvd and it was like a kiss concert footage from like 15 years earlier and it was exactly the same concert like every oh, really? single bit of improvised banter and oh pointing, even that it was all completely artifice it was just there was nothing spontaneous about it they were just like they were on autopilot for 15 years yeah it's it's more of a like a i mean it's more of a business and this is their product yes. than like we're doing a show for the fans having said that though i've been following paul stanley on instagram and i quite like him he was very like pro vaccine and you know if i can listen to the cdc in the face of some insanity <laughs> and he's got the most incredible voice like um osha sent me a a, a clip of it was just all – it's just a compilation of all him saying, all right, all right. <laughs> it's just like endlessly, just like five minutes of every like all right from his concerts. Do you reckon um, out of interest, like w- I know it was sort of past your time, but has punk or pop punk music uh, ever kind of appealed to you? Like are there any songs or um, bands that you I, were into? Uh, I was into the – I was into Offspring when they, when they came out. Um, but no, it sort of felt like I, I it felt I felt it all sounded a bit samey, like that some forty one kind of you know that it was just those big hooks and stuff and Stacey's mum and I don't know if that's pop punk, but like that, I think uh, Fountains of Wayne we were a one hit wonder, so we won't yeah, count them. Yeah, and there's also like a bunch of there was like Short Stack that Aussie band, and there's just a yeah, bunch of that's so, the next generation. I I've think. never been to a Vans like was it the Warped, Warped Tour, Tour? Yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. But having said that, I've got one of my good mates is a uh, cinematographer and a director and um, he like he grew up in that scene and like he's my age and he loves it and like he's there's been many a night where he's played me music and said just listen to this like it's just it's about the energy and I think it's just sort of I never got into I just it, I was in between I was more grunge that mm. was kind of my era and then the pop punk stuff it just felt a bit commercial by the time I was kind of you know old enough to sort of appreciate it but I do like Blink One Eighty Two. There's a bunch of songs that I will, that I will listen to, and I think that uh, is it. All the small things is that the video at the water park? Uh, no, the water park. I think it's that's like the it's like the seventies. No, no, that's the fir- that's first date where he has the wig on and the moustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's first yeah, yeah. date. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that that's really good. So I don't. Yeah, but it, just, just as a genre, like I, I mean, I wouldn't ever say punk was way too early for me. Anyway, like punk, the original punk was sort of born and, and dead by um, the time I was old enough. And then I did go see one of the Ramones <laughs> talk about, you know, was it, which- Was it take, Joey? No, it was no, it was Mark. It was like, not oh, even, was I didn't Mark, even I know the that. drummer. Yeah, is Mark the drummer? It was a drummer. I'm looking it up Ramone. because I've never heard of Mark Ramone. I'm sure there is a Mark Ramone. Um, well, they all just did take the name Marky, Ramone. Marky, Marky Ramone. Ramone. <laughs> is he a drummer? 
Is that right? Yeah, Nose? well, he's holding a drumstick in his yeah, photo. Yeah. So, so Marky Ramon, um, Ramon did this spoken word kind of like tour about being in the Ramones and then would play some songs with the Australian. Do you remember there's an Australian band called the Spazzies? Three yeah. girls who played like kind of punk, punkish kind of I've music. heard of them, yeah. So it was at the Corner Hotel in Richmond and it was just Mark Ramon sitting behind a drum set going like, and then we played at CBGB's and uh, Debbie <laughs> Harry came to see us. All right. But, but is he and drumming? This song's called, no, no, he's just talking and then go, <laughs> and this song's called um, uh, uh, Hanging Up, My Brain is Hanging Upside Down. And then oh. <laughs> one, two, three, four. I, can I just say that song? Um, Bonzo goes to Bitburg. My brain is hanging upside down. Is yeah, beautiful. Probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Me and, too. It gets uh, me emotional. Oh, uh, mate. There's something uh, about uh, the chiming of it. Yeah. You know, we pick up the pieces and, and the passion, the lyrical passion um, yeah. of that entire song. I mean, I really like the Ramones, and I think their debut album, which is just the self-titled Ramones album, where they're standing in front of the wall. That's just a classic punk album i mean it, it literally is and all the songs on that album are just short fast non-indulgent punk songs with no guitar solos or anything it's just it's just punk music right have you but, seen the documentary end of the century the reminds documentary i have oh, you should I, check I, it I out should it's great yeah. but then my brain is hanging upside down and and admittedly I, I i've heard like a few of their albums and that's from an album called animal boy and that song it's just so different for them. Like, and, and I think it was controversial for them as well, but it, it, the, where I first heard it, it was in a mon- the montage scene of school of rock where yeah. Jack Black is teaching all the kids, you know, yeah. midway through the movie. And it just, it works so well in that, but just it's, it's an incredible song. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I completely forgot about school of rock, but you're right. That whole school of rock album is so perfect, and it annoys me that when you go to Spotify and you try and play, um, uh, uh, what's the song, the kid song, the at the very end of the, oh uh, yeah, teacher's pet, teacher's pet, uh, yeah, yeah, that you can't get the Jack Black version on Spotify, it's only like the a, Broadway version, yeah, which is yeah. nowhere near as good because that film version is excellent. Like every time I hear that, I'm like, this is just a fucking great song. Yeah, it just like. It epitomized everything that the song needed to be. And, you know, it's themed around school, but it's just a cool rock song. It kind of sounds yeah. a bit pop punky. And I did you seen- see the Jack Black? He did, you know, um, GQ's like, you know, you're looking back at your career. And he does, he speaks at length on School of Rock. He's like, this is, you know, the greatest role I've ever done, the greatest film I've ever done, like the greatest gift. And it is. Like, I reckon it's almost a perfect movie. That is one of my most rewatched movies. I just love oh, it. Oh, I never knew, man. I lo- I'm obsessed with it. Oh, yeah, me and Jem. Like, a um, uh, Jack Black reminds me of my of my mate Cam Knight. Like, they've got the same kind of, like, energy, the same yeah, kind right. of, like, rock until I die energy. So it always <laughs> yeah. makes me think fondly of Cam. But also, like, just the music in it is great. And we love Jack Black. And, yeah, I, I, I get, like um, – in the same way that you can watch Back to the Future like a hundred times and cheer when uh, George knocks out Biff, like it feels like the first time you've seen it every time. I feel the same way about School of Rock, like that last moment where the kids get to play. And I just love, I just love how authentic the kids' performances are. And so Jack Black in this video talks about like, you know, so everything just felt like perfectly balanced, Richard Linklater, you know, just great. But they didn't have this end song and 
um, they'd reached out to this guy or this, I can't remember how it goes, but there's a band that they knew of that they reached out to and they said, yeah, sure, you know, we'll send you something. And they did not have anything. And then they sent through a draft and it's like, oh, we can't, this can't be the last song. And then at the very last minute they sent through what would become Teacher's Pet. And it's just like, it was just one of those things where everything came together. Mm. Like, yeah, I love it. I love that. Even that opening riff. That opening riff that yeah. just like it's so it's so good. And you're right. Like I think my one of my favorite moments in that movie is the keyboard solo at the end yeah. from Lawrence. And he's <laughs> and and because you've seen that montage scene from earlier in the film with with my brain is hanging upside down and and Jack is teaching him and he's showing him to do the pointing thing, like yeah. point with every yeah. note. And then you get to the final performance and you see him doing it. Yeah. And, he, and it's just like, I, I don't know, everything Gemma just and I, full circle. To this day, we will still, when we want to motivate each other, we'll go, let's rock, let's rock, let's yeah. rock. <laughs> and every, like, because that movie came out when I was the age of the kids in the School of Rock. And I think, Again, yeah, that's right. why- You look a bit like Turkey Sub. You could have been <laughs> Turkey Sub. <laughs> I, but I think like, you know, as a, as a millennial as well, like so many of us related to that film and you wanted to be those kids so much. Yeah. Have you seen High Fidelity? Yeah. Because I actually think that came out in 2000. School of Rock came out in 03. I actually think the, the role Jack Black plays in High Fidelity is like mm. the precursor to Dwayne yeah. in School of Rock. It's just like- Totally. I, I reckon they saw that and were like, I think that's the guy we need for school. Well, of is it is Mike was Mike White involved involved in both those films? Because I think Mike White, who wrote School of Rock, he wrote it specifically for Jack Black. Like it, well, that's exactly right. Like they had Jack Black and then wrote the film around him, played to his strengths. I don't think Mike White mm. was involved in um in High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Funnily okay. enough, John John Cusack and Joan Cusack is in School of Rock as the as the principal. Yeah, that's interesting. She's she's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, and that soundtrack too. Like when they play Stevie Nicks, Edge yes. of Seventeen, and have <laughs> he's you, trying to win her over. Have you heard the story of um, the immigrant song being used in that movie? Yeah, how they had yeah. to beg for Led Zeppelin. Have you seen the video? It's on YouTube where they talk about it. No, where Jack Black actually the video where he begs Led Zeppelin. Yeah, so. mate, I had it on the DVD special yeah, features. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, because Led Zeppelin didn't like anyone or whatever, they didn't let people use their songs in movies. So Jack Black got the whole crowd to beg them to do it, and they yeah. they were like, "Yeah, okay." Have you seen the? Um, they did a reunion, like a fifteen-year School of Rock reunion, where they yeah. got up and they played Teacher's Pet. Yeah, <laughs> it was like all the original kids. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you heard, but last year or maybe earlier this year, Kevin Clark Plays died. Freddy. He was Freddie Jones, who yeah. was one of the like more iconic characters in that movie. That was really sad, but um, yeah, luckily they they were able to do a fifteen-year reunion for that film just a few years before yeah. that, and it it's all there, and it and all you know what they. They do so well in that film as well. Is spoof uh, that kind of sort of post metal, not quite new metal, soft rock? You know, with a band that win the the Battle of Ends. What's, <laughs> yeah. the, what are they, what's the name um, of that fucking no band? Vacancy. No and, vacancy. No vacancy. And it's the like guy they, wearing the weird like <laughs> yes. denim of doing doing the, the hip the hip yeah. <laughs> swinging yes. at his playing guitar. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Like it just they just nail. It's such a subtle joke, but it's so perfectly weighted. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love that movie so much. And again, like, there's some great songs on that soundtrack, like uh, Substitute by The Who, which is a great song that plays in that movie. And again, like, I just love that the music, like, the song is called Substitute and the whole thing is Jack Black's a substitute teacher. And I just, just the way they, like, that's really, I know it's really obvious, but to me it's really clever the way they've made the songs work on the context yeah. of the movie. Also, yeah. Sarah Silverman is so good in that movie as well as the annoyed girlfriend of Ned Stabley. Um, I everything works in that movie. It's so good. Yeah, it's that 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 isn't that's an all time. Have you seen the stage version? Would you? I haven't. I'd love to see it because I think it expands on the lore of the School of Rock. But um, yeah, have you seen it? What would the lore be like? Just going. Well, it's implied in the movie. Um, so Zach, who's the lead guitarist boy, you see a few scenes with him and his dad, and his dad is kind of scouting him and not letting him focus on music. Apparently in the stage play, they actually develop that a bit more and they develop more of the kids' home lives, which I think, you know, was touched on in the movie, but not not enough. And I just think mm. expanding that a bit would be interesting. Yeah. Your kids have touched me. <laughs> And I think yeah, I've touched, I've touched them. I didn't. I didn't get that as a kid. Like as a kid, it made not. perfect sense to me what he was saying. <laughs> but, I'd be more worried if your parents if that made perfect sense. You'd be like, yeah. oh, just like Uncle Dave. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I do. You have a favorite song from that soundtrack? Other I than think, I think my brain is hanging upside down. Yeah. Um. I and I also just love uh, "Long Way to the Top" at the end. Like, I think that is so great. And I just love, like, you're right, it's a perfect film because it's, like, been this really, like, uplifting, positive film. And then the end, they just break the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> what, are they the characters or are or they the themselves? Actors, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think they're just themselves now. And it's just, like, what a great, fun film. And I, you can, I've seen, like, some, um, off the back of that reunion in 2018, I started not following uh the 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 actors from the films on social media but they they had posted a whole bunch of like oh you know we catch up for dinner every mm. couple of every couple of years or whatever yeah and it was just so nice to see that like there was apart from um the girl oh you know she's a fam- she's a famous actress Miranda Cos- like Miranda Cosgrove Miranda Cosgrove she Cosgrove. was iCarly she was very yeah. involved in Nickelodeon and she she was probably one of the only trained actors there cuz her role real they really needed a girl who could actually who had experience. Yeah, overachiever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she, but the rest of them just have sort of like normal lives. Like the girl, the bass player, I can't remember her name. Well, their their um, name is actually Rivka Rays now, so they go right. by Rivka Rays, and they're quite big on TikTok now, and they talk about School of Rock all the time, including yeah, g- give them a follow because they always talk about how. Um, the bass solo, there was supposed to be a, you know, at the end of the movie and long way to the top, they all get solos, except the bass solo was cut and they always complain about it on on um, on TikTok. But, yeah, they've got quite a big following <laughs> Hang now. Hang on, sorry, in Teacher's Pet there was a bass solo no, or just in, a credit sequence? No, in the It's a Long Way to the Top. You know how Jack oh. Black goes like, oh, Freddie, give me a face-melting drum yeah, solo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there yeah. was a bass one filmed but it just got axed from the end of the film. Ah, you'd be so pissed <laughs> and, and, and I, I can get why they are. That was the only one. That was the only one that got cut. <laughs> and, and they always are like, I had like four lines in the movie. I still remember all of them. And like, people love it. But uh, they're not an actor these days, right? No, just like they a also, comedian, yeah, I also, think. 
Well, they and they all seem really well <laughs> adjusted. Like they, the fact that they just sort of hang out. Two of them are married, I believe. Yeah, Frank, Frankie, and the the girl that Jack Black calls uh, the girl that says she loves Christina Aguilera. Lira, oh, they, yeah. they are yeah, married yeah. now, which I love so wholesome. But the girl who looks like who loves Christina Aguilera looks like. Um, Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. She does. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't she? <laughs> she actually Gemma does. Always describes, Girl version of Dewey. Yeah, but Jem always describes, she said, have you noticed that some people have a Dewey face? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. You watch. There's a certain segment of the population that have Dewey face. And it's so true. That's actually- Every now and then you see a real Dewey face. <laughs> And it's important people understand I'm saying Dewey. 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 I'm not, there's no yay moment happening. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying Dewey. Dewey uh, face. That's actually another, like, I know we're, we're getting towards the end of this pod, but that's actually another interesting thing. Dewey from um, Malcolm in the Middle, who the actor is named Eric Sullivan. What happened to him? Like, he he's dropped off the face of the world. No one. So you've already you've, you've researched this already. Yeah, uh, there were rumors going around for a while that he was dead, but he's not. But like, he doesn't have any online presence, as far as I can tell. But this is what I'm. This is what I think is good. The fact that like he can do that, and the school of rock kids, because that so often isn't the story. Like yeah, that, you know, they absolutely. they they keep going for a little bit, and then they end up. Eric Persson. You're right. The last photo of him was he, he was a. Kid. He'd have to be about 30 at least by now, but there's no real online evidence. And then there's a photo from there's there was a Malcolm in the Middle reunion, right? You can see all of the original cast there. Brian Cranston's there, Frankie Muniz is there, but Eric Persullivan is not there, and they're holding up a photo of the child Dewey, which I Ugh, just think is super so weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. It's like he died. Exactly. Maybe he Maybe he did. Maybe it's Hang like on. a Paul McCartney type. I'm going to drop yeah. it in the chat. I just dropped it in the chat. If you want to just look at this photo, yeah, it's, okay, it's just very interesting. They even have the twins who played the baby in the show as like ten year old kids are there, but not Dewey. It's a conspiracy. Ah, that's so weird. Someone write in. So, how old is he in that photo? You reckon? I reckon he's like fourteen in that he, photo. Yeah, but he looks like he's forty. <laughs> That's a really. I actually think this is a good one for Cam James and Alexi Toliopoulos finding yeah. Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. Well, maybe they could. Hang on, why don't don't give away your best ideas? Why don't <laughs> I don't we, want to do. I don't want to. Why do don't it? we do a series of, of <laughs> finding like, Dewey? Yeah, but then we can do Jay from Five. Let's yes. just start tracking down celebs who don't who've made a who don't want to be found. They don't want to be harassed. <laughs> you and yeah. I will kick the doors in. Because um, I do find it is similar to that, my whole obsession with Jay on Five. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back go and listen to, to Toe Pop. I'm sure you do. There's like a hundred um, episodes about it. But I genuinely was kind of, you know, like to think that, and and this kid, what's his name? Eric. Eric He would have been like heaps more successful and famous than Jay from Five. But to then just go, oh, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Like that was a nice taste because I know that, like I've worked with a lot of child actors and a lot of younger performers and stuff, and there is something brain altering that happens where when you get a lot of attention as a teenager or a young person and you're getting paid quite well for it, and suddenly you know it's addictive, and the fact that these people had the wherewithal or the and I'm hoping it was like a positive as opposed to like, you know, they had a nervous breakdown or something, but like a making the active positive choice to go, you know what, 
I think I've had enough of this. I, I you know, it was it was good for a while, but because I think the other option is much more common and tempting, which is like I just want to feel that sense of affirmation and you know, I often say that I, I feel like some people who get into acting, I don't know about like, you know, music or, or comedy necessarily, but just the world I've worked in is I think, you know, if you're an outsider or a bit of a lonely kid or whatever, and you do like an amateur play or a school play or whatever, it's a really bonding experience and it feels very safe and warm and like a family. And, you know, you feel, you feel very bonded to those people and then it stops and you have to go back to the real world, which doesn't feel as nice. Mm. And so it would make mm. sense that you would be pursuing that as a career because you love that feeling of like togetherness and not only that, but then if you do live performance, you get like adoration coming in from, you know, it's, it's, it's an addictive kind of thing, but it can all, it's also just like an illusion yeah, right. <laughs> as well. Yeah. Every time I've worked on a show or any time I've worked on a, a play or whatever like that, it, it feels like these are my best friends and we're going to be friends forever and stuff. It's like school camp. But then you get back to the real world and it's like, oh, it's just a heightened experience. Like anything, you are, you're all there for a purpose. You know, you're working on something, often you're being emotionally vulnerable. So there's a lot of kind of like empathy and warmth and all that kind of stuff. But then there's the other side of it, which is like it's a job and it's an insecure job, and sometimes you're 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 a cute kid for a period of time, and then you're unhirable for another period of time. Then you enter your next phase where you're, uh, you know, you, you're playing parents, and then you you know, and so it's it's just this weird kind of thing. So the fact that these guys and girls, I imagine, are just like you know, I think I've had enough. I think that's interesting because I don't know, just I think it shows real maturity and foresight and and. Yeah, and you might know this. You probably know better than me. Do you think someone like Eric Pasullivan, Mal- uh, Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle, he would have been making a fair bit of money by the end of that show? Yeah, so he probably could have been like, I'm just going to chill. But I I do think it's interesting like, to not maintain any online presence, like that no one can even seem to track you down. Did you ever, you know, the kid who played Charlie in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the, the Gene Wilder the original, the original one. Yeah. Yeah. So that was all he ever did. He did yeah, Charlie right. and the Chocolate Factory and then, you know, which was a big hit and he had offers, but he just was like, no, he's like a dentist now or something. If you watch the making of, he's like, yeah, it was a really great experience. And then there's the girl who played Newt in Aliens. She's the same thing. They just discovered her. She was nine years old. She suddenly had all these offers and she was like, no, I'm okay. I'm good. And I'm just, maybe it's because I'm such a, I need attention so badly. <laughs> you know? and I'm just like uh, the fact that someone could walk away from that, you know, and just be like, yeah, it's cool. I had a little taste of that, but I'm just, I just think it's fascinating to disappear completely. Yeah. Like, like you say, you know, for, he wouldn't, he's not even going to turn up to this reunion. Like what's going on there. And for no obvious reason, like you said, like I, I last night I went to the movies and they, there was a poster for Jingle All the Way, which obviously has Jake Lloyd, who was Anakin Skywalker, oh, yeah. and and Poor old Jake. it's 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 things like that where you can see how bad it can go, and you feel really sorry for him. Who the fuck would agree to do Star Wars now? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. Who the fuck? It's so bad. Mm. I mean, anything kind of like related to those big properties. Like even She-Hulk, I'm like, why is everyone so mad at She-Hulk? Yeah, like it exactly. was fun. It was fine. Like if you don't like it, I get it. But people, there is this kind of sense of like in this, my, my reading this fandom, it's like people feel like they're being forced to consume this entertainment. Mm. No, 
the fact is, it's like they've just they're, they're making a hundred of these kind of yeah. titles a year now. Just pick the what, pick the stream pick choose you what like. You want. But don't have to fucking shit on the ones I, that other people Yeah, but people I think like. what the problem I think people have, like I agree with that, but it's also they don't want it to be canon. Like they don't want a lot of things to be oh part of the canon of the story. Get so they get it. so irrationally angry about it. It's like just who cares? Just decide for yourself which stuff you count. Like who yeah. cares? Well, you would have heard when you cut um, that episode of Fofop I did with James Clement and he we were talking about fandom and he was saying that he read an article where because there are so many things in this world that people don't own, like wages are down, people can't afford yeah. to own their own homes and stuff, that people have psychologically taken a greater ownership in the characters and stories that they love, which is why they are so militant yeah. about, I you know, you can't- interesting. You, yeah, I, I did too. I was like, oh, that's- because. I understand that. Like, I've ne- that's never really been my thing because I grew up reading comic books, and in comic books, every time a new writer and artist takes over, the the, the genre and the style and the look, the character changes. Mm, but mm. I do understand that if you are passionate about, like, you know, James Bond, like he has to always be a, a white Englishman, as narrow-minded and, you know, hopefully not bigoted but just narrow-minded as your decision might be, I get it. It's like it's comfort food. You know, you've always grown up with this thing a certain way and then it's like when you hear like the Broadway version of Teacher's Pet, you're like, ah, I mean, sure, but it's not canon. Well, it's but it's like like the whole thing of a band putting out a new album and being like, ah, it's not their old stuff. Like it's just. Yeah, people just are so protective of it. And I get that. Like, my big one, obviously, is Harry Potter. Like, I grew up loving it. I read the books. I watched the movies. And all the new stuff I don't really like. I still watch it because I want to be engaged in that world, but I don't like it. But I don't get – yeah, I'm not going to get irrationally angry at at the series. It's just, like, this is the direction they want to bring it, I suppose. So I I saw and I'm not connected to this world at all, but like the Super Mario trailer oh, went yeah. up this week, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I watched it and could not discern anything good nor bad. <laughs> well, what has been the public's opinion on that trailer? Okay, so I'm a, obviously a huge Nintendo fan, and I've been looking forward to this movie. I think there's a few things with it that that I that people are mixed on. The first is like all the those games, all of the characters are more or less silent protagonists. Like Mario has his, you know, classic kind of nonsense. It's a me. Yeah, he's got those stupid lines, but you can't sustain a whole movie with that, right? So that's why they've gone and got Chris Pratt and Jack Jack Black is Bowser and, um, you know, other voice actors to do those characters. But and Jack I, Black, is, uh, sorry, Chris Pratt is not doing an Italian accent though. No, right? th- and that's no. the thing. And I think... A lot of people are mixed on the voice acting. Personally, I think it's great. I think the way they're bringing the characters to life is great. I don't expect it to be a phenomenal film, but what I want from it, because it's going to be a kid's movie, but what I want is references and little Easter eggs to the games and to the people who grew up playing the series, that if there's just little nods and references and characters and cameos, I'd re- I really like that stuff. That's what I, I want it to be. And from that trailer that we got, yesterday at the time of recording i think there will be lots of that like there's a bit in the trailer where mario is actually essentially doing a 2d platformer 
like training for the battle with Bowser and yeah. I saw someone complaining though. It's like, oh, you've got like Chris Pratt and Jack Black, but Anna Taylor Joy is playing like the beautiful princess for some reason. I'm like, well, then I saw the princess. I'm like, well, that makes sense because she looks exactly like. <laughs> Isn't yeah, that what, like a good casting? Yeah, what was the complaint was that she was cast because she was hot. Oh, as in like, like – but Chris Pratt is a conventionally attractive man, is he not? Yeah, I guess so, but he uh, – but I guess – oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I, I That's what I took it to be was like – she was like, oh, you've got all the – oh, no, I think the idea was Chris Pratt is a – like does comedy. He's a comedic performer. Jack Black is a comedic performer. But when it came to the female role, you didn't get Kristen Wiig – you didn't get, you know, uh, another female comedy performer. That, right. How does that sound like I couldn't name a second? Melissa McCarthy, I couldn't name a second female comedy performer. That's not. That's just because my brain, I'm old. It's not because I yeah, don't think women we know, can do don't comedy. Worry, don't worry. <laughs> but anyway. It kind of sounds like that's what you're saying. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> no, but, but like, I, should, yeah. Well, should I they actually have think- cast Josh Gad as Mario? Or, I mean, he's not yeah, even Italian. I, I don't know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, Danny DeVito as yeah, Mario? Yeah, I, I get you. But I think- I don't know. I really like the direction they've taken Peach because, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that character historically has just been the damsel in distress and all of the games are like Mario has to go and save the princess who's helpless and defenseless against, you know, all the people trying to harm her. But I think it's really important and also really good that from that trailer it does look like Peach is a badass who's like, training Mario to fight and instead of just doing a conventional damsel in distress, I really like the reinvention of that character. Do you think in a mainstream film in 2023 they would ever do a conventional damsel in distress? Like Disney princesses have been a thing now for almost 20 years. There's absolutely no way in a mainstream film they would go back to that trope. She will be a martial arts expert or something, something, Totally. Something. But I think Nintendo, as a Japanese brand, are, are often very conservative with the way people use their characters. So I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if they were like, no, Peach has to be ki- kidnapped and Mario has to save her. But I, 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 <laughs> I, Mario has to commit hurry curry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just, the opening scene's very dark. He kills yeah. himself in the samurai yeah, it's sword. a huge change. <laughs> That's but, a real departure. But I'm and real. Then he's just like, a, then he's just a white-skinned ghost for the rest of the film, <laughs> haunting people's dreams. That's, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. No, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I think it has potential. And also, I love Donkey Kong, and Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong, and I love Seth Rogen, so I think it could be great. Uh, did you watch the Pam and Tommy movie, uh, the the streaming series on? No. Um, oh my what's god, that? it's awesome. So it's it's a dramatization of. The true story of uh, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson when they had their sex tape yeah, stolen. Okay. It was like, yeah. it was sort of like the birth of kind of like porn on the internet. Um, but Seth Rogen plays the guy who and produced it and plays the guy who stole um, their tape. And I've been raving it. Like, it's a really great series. And the two leads, uh, um, what's his name, who plays Tommy Lee? Uh, Winter Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan and um, Lily. James. Oh, what is wrong with my brain? Lily James. <laughs> I've got the Wikipedia <laughs> article up already. <laughs> Lily James, um, who plays Penny, they're amazing. Like Lily James especially, like completely disappears into the role. But the MVP for me is Seth Rogen, who plays like the schlub that Tommy Lee bullies and, you know, eventually motivates to break into his house and steal this sex tape. But it's a really thoughtful I think it's by the director of I, Tonya. It's like a really – it's a really great thoughtful series on kind of like the – 
the trappings of celebrity, um, you know, female exploitation, gender roles. Like it's a really, it's actually, you think it's just going to be this kind of trashy bit of celeb gossip entertainment, but it's much deeper than that. But he plays a really sort of a straight man. He's not even really the funny one in the film, in the show. He's kind of more this kind of pitiable straight man and he's excellent. Like it's like, fuck, he's become a really good actor. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. No, I'll definitely check it out. Um, I was definitely, I don't know when that sex take leak happened, but I think it was like before my time. Oh, yeah, so way I'm not too time. familiar with the story. Well, I, I used to work, so, well, the story was that they literally had um, their safe stolen and in that was like a sex tape that they had made. And so um, the guy uh, who stole the tape realised that he wasn't going to be able to kind of legally put it in the black market, but the internet had just started. So he teamed up with his internet company who were doing like very sort of nascent kind of like video streaming and they uploaded to the tape to the internet so you could order it online. And then it was converted to digital and went online completely. So it was basically the start of kind of like porn on the internet. Really? Um, what year was it? Yeah. So it was like the mid – 90s, so yeah, like okay. 1995. Yeah, right. But even working in a video store in the late 90s, like we had a copy, like a, an R-rated version of the sex tape, obviously not like full hardcore. But like on like, VHS or something. Yeah, so Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson eventually had to reach a settlement with this guy. Well, not with this guy, Bob Guccione Jr., who's a, a family-owned penthouse. They bought the rights to the tape. And then Pamela and Tommy Lee had to eventually – to settle and agree to kind of like a profit share, even though they didn't want to, because it was already out there and like she was having a name dragged through the mud. It's a, it's a really, really interesting, interesting story. Um, but yeah, all predicated on the fact that Tommy Lee was a prick to this guy yeah, <laughs> and refused right. to pay so some for some work. So they knew each other house. in real life. The guy had been doing some construction in Tommy Lee's house and Tommy Lee had refused to play based on some dissatisfaction with a job he'd done. So as revenge, the guy broke in and stole his safe and in the safe he found yeah. the sex tape. Wow. And so it was like, yeah, it was the very first celebrity sex tape. That's fascinating and so many good ones to follow as well. So, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so that, really a, started a, a trend. Genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a career starter. I mean, almost a career ender for Pamela Anderson. Yeah. A career starter for, for many, many more. Um, all right, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. We should just quickly just touch on before we go, um, uh, for any TOEFOP listeners out there wondering how this exit has occurred, um, there's been nothing untoward. No. It's <laughs> gone on. No. Uh, it's been the natural order of things with uh, TOEFOP and Philosophy and FOFOP all moving to Listener. Um, Mike is not a full-time employee of Listener. And so when the shows got absorbed by Listener, they wanted their staff to take over the production of the show, which made sense. Um, and their staff Mike- are much better. I know a lot of them. <laughs> I know most of them. They're great. <laughs> But Mike is um, Mike is sticking around and is doing uh, two guys one cup uh, next season for Mike's bigger year of footy. Uh, obviously, anyone who listened last year knows that he completely uh, failed to deliver on his big year of footy. And can I just say as well, you will see on episode one of Two Guys One Cup twenty twenty three, you will see the commitment that I've made to the bigger year of footy. And and the other funny thing was because I I announced that I was leaving. Um, like I'm finishing up with TOEFOP, but I actually am also still doing some digital 
stuff for the time being. So yeah. I'm not, kind of, he, I'm actually kind still of here. not leaving at all. Uh, he's I'm just like, getting off. He's just getting off mic. But yeah. you'll probably hear him more on. You'll probably hear him more on Fofop and Two Guys One Cup than ever before. So it's weird. I mean, it's basically yeah. He's stepping back from philosophy and uh, Tofop, but uh, very much going to be part of the universe. And uh, for anyone who was. Um, disconcerted by the sound of another Mike's yeah. voice. That's Mike Williams, uh, yes. who's producing the shows for now. Um, hopefully for longer. We're just trying to work that out. It's just a, again, it's more of a staff availability thing. Um, but uh, yeah, Mike, Mike's, uh, Mike's a plenty uh, still in in the Tofop universe going forward. And can I just put out? Um, and I, I sort of put it out on socials, but as well, like for me, because I was, I think, twenty three when I started on Willosophy. And, you know, that show and my relationship from Will from there, like Will was just so great with me. And then joining TOFOP about a year later, I think, and you both have been so great for me and like helping me and my career. And those stepping stones for me have been so important. So I just like, I'm very grateful to both you and Will and Sam Cav as well, obviously, and Foz and Michael and the whole team here is just, it's, it's been so much fun. So it's well, awesome great. to see that the well, podcast might start making some money. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, we also feel like you, you're doing so much of your own stuff. It's like, oh, well, you know, we, 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 you're, you're going to spread your wings and we don't want to be the ones holding you back. Um, so we'll just plug your podcast again, 20th Century Boy um, and also Harry Potter and the Boys. You can find Radio Mike on YouTube as Radio Mike. Maybe a, a name change. Possibly, possibly not. On that. <laughs> and you can also hear him from time to time on the Hamish and Andy podcast. Did you do that big airplane Think? Yes, Were you the on slide that? party, yeah. So we wow. that was really fun. But it was actually kind of in some ways a letdown because the, they made it sound like the slide was very dangerous, but it was in fact incredibly safe and I can't imagine anyone ever hurting themselves going down it because it was just like going down a slide at a playground with your kids or something. So, yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm across the listener verse, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you'll hear him. You'll you'll hear him. He's 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 omnipotent everywhere yeah. and all and yeah. all places at once. Uh, podcast, Mike. Thanks for doing the show. And uh, I guess I'll speak to you again when we do two guys one cup. My club, which is oh yeah, something I should plug. Two guys one cup. My club, where I'm sitting down with uh, very celebs every Thursday. Podcast, Mike. You'll hear him on that as well. But for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Podcast Mike or Radio Mike, depends on what you want. 